Hello, welcome to Lazada Insider, featuring knowledge that makes a difference. We share trusted insights, forward-looking perspectives, and exclusive expert interviews to keep you ahead of the curve. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Lazada Insider. I'm your host, Chen. As Southeast Asia experienced economic growth, there is also a growing awareness among consumers in the region about the impact of their consumption choices on the environment and society. Today, we will be exploring the latest insights about the needs and motivations of sustainable shoppers in the region and discussing how businesses can serve this growing market. We are very happy to welcome Nicole, Vice President of Global Thought Leadership from Nielsen IQ, to share her perspective on this topic. Nicole has almost 30 years of experience in helping businesses understanding the evolving consumer landscape and driving new opportunities. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Chen. Thanks very much for having me. First of all, could you tell us a bit more about yourself and Nielsen IQ? Yeah, sure thing. So um, thank you very much for having me here today. So uh, I am the, the Vice President and work within our Global Thought Leadership team here at Nielsen IQ. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Nielsen IQ is a global market research company, and we really aim to deliver the full view of consumer buying behaviour which we hope can help you know, brands and retailers really to navigate and find new pathways of growth. And that might be through measuring more channels, more countries, more consumers, to really give that full breadth um, of, of how the fast-moving consumer goods industry is evolving. Um, from our thought leadership point of view, what myself and my team really aim to look at is the disruptive forces of change that we see accelerating across our ecosystem. And we believe that, you know, this is really uh, useful for businesses to try and think and plan ahead for how these disruptive forces are going to be impacting their business in the coming years. Um, as an example, what we're obviously here to talk about today is at the beginning of this year, we launched our latest topic, which we called the changing climate of sustainability. And a component of this uh, bigger topic, um, which I think we have a, another podcast where we'll be talking about, you know, two of the other big disruptive drivers of change. But the one we're focusing on today is the consumer element, where we did a consumer survey across 17 different markets around the world, um, but particularly so, you know, which ones we're talking about today within Asia Pacific that covered Australia, Indonesia, Singapore, Thailand, South Korea, China and India. So a fairly robust coverage there. Thanks for the introductions. Let's go straight to the research insight. How has consumers demand for sustainable consumers packaged goods, CPG products evolved post pandemic in Southeast Asia? Are there any particular issues or trends that are motivating consumers to make more sustainable choices? Well, I think, Chen, over the last 10 years, we've really seen sort of a positive consumer sentiment towards sustainability. And we anticipated that purchasing preferences would probably drive the industry towards uh, a green revolution, really from consumer demand alone. But what we've actually discovered, and particularly in the last 12 to 18 months, is that there's been a number of challenges that have really slowed that progress and led to a situation where consumers and companies haven't really seen that change that they might have thought. 
So obviously COVID was a massive disruption um, that refocused, you know, both businesses and consumers' attention away from sustainability. And, you know, if we think of our own lives and examples, you know, obviously there was the huge push and focus on hygiene and, you know, that meant, you know, more plastic, more disposable, you know, be it masks, be it cutlery, you know, where we'd, you know, shifted those things to, you know, reusable coffee cups and things like that in the past. Um, and then in the last 12 months, we've, you know, seen that disruption continue, you know, with the cost of living crisis, which is really etching away at consumers' disposable income and, and really having an impact and, and changing their priorities. But in that last two years at the same time, we've also seen an increasing awareness and attention just on the impact that climate change is having. We see it in the news all the time. We see the extreme of the effect of extreme weather events is having both on businesses and their supply chains, but also the very real personal experiences that consumers are seeing in their everyday lives. So just as an example, one of the stats from our, our study is 94% of Asia-Pacific consumers state that sustainability is important to them today, 41% saying it's much more important than it was two years ago. And there's lots of reasons as to why they're saying that. But some of the big sort of call-outs is obviously that awareness is really critical just in terms of it being in the news and, you know, hearing, you know, sustainability and climate change being spoken about so much. But some of the other really big ones were the impact that consumers feel that um, climate change is already having on their health now or that could, could have on their health and safety in the future was another key one. Um, in terms of what was really important for Asia-Pacific consumers more so than our global counterparts, where they were seeing that the cost of things had become more expensive as a result of climate events. But to me, more than anything is, you know, that personal impact as well that an extreme weather event is having on consumers. And our Asia-Pacific consumers felt that more so than global. So globally, about 30% of people had said that they uh, sustainability was more important to them because a climate or extreme weather had personally impacted their lives. But in Asia-Pacific, that was 38%. And in some markets, for example, South Korea, it was 54%. Indonesia, 43%. And I think if we look at what those extreme weather events were, we can start to see the very real impact that that's having on consumers' lives. Thanks. We know that sustainability is a pretty broad topic. I think that's now you also mentioned multiple aspects of it. So I'm curious, are there any particular areas of sustainability that are currently receiving more attention from Southeast Asian consumers than others? If yes, why? I think probably as we just were talking about, that personal impact is particularly telling because I think people start to then suddenly feel a lot more vulnerable and the feeling that, you know, if this is really impacting me, I know even personally we had, you know, a room in our house was flooded last year in the in the Brisbane floods, is you start to say, okay, I've got to start to do something about this now. And I think, you know, particularly across Southeast Asia, you know, with the COVID disruption and lockdowns, you know, We've become used to those highly urbanised societies as well where pollution is a massive aspect in those societies. And we actually saw because of fewer tourists, because of lockdowns, what life could be like if, you know, we didn't have, you know, some of these urban, you know, threats that I suppose we, we'd get very used to living. 
And so I think, you know, it became that, it has become that sort of call to action where consumers are starting to say, I realise the importance and I want to do something about it to try and, you know, speed up the momentum to, because, uh, you know, I think it's all becoming very telling, the, the real impact it's starting to have. It's not a, a far off in the distance thing that we're talking about, you know, degrees of temperature in, you know, 10, 15 years' time. Talking about personal impact, so in the recent few years, increasingly more consumers express an intent to live more sustainably. So do their behaviours now actually reflect this intent? Or can you share some of the key sustainable consumers' behaviour that you have observed in Southeast Asia? Yeah, it's it's really interesting, Chen, because what we sort of so two key measures that we looked at was the a percent of consumers who are saying that sustainability is very important to them. So that sort of looks at that intent action versus the actual number of actions that they're saying they take in a daily life to live sustainably. And so it's almost a bit of that say do ratio that we he's we spoken about quite a lot. And again, there's some really interesting components. So remembering that there's those two angles of it, but you had the likes of Australia and Singapore who were less likely to say that it was very sustainability was very important. But in fact, the actions that they do today are reasonable. They're above, you know, the global average compared to the likes of an Indonesia or Thailand where they're saying that sustainability is really important. So, you know, up in the high 80s, for example, um, but they're struggling to try and convert that into action. So they're doing fewer actions per se. So that say-do ratio can be very different across different markets. And I think that become sort of the challenge for, you know, brands, retailers and governments, which is to say, how do we make it easier for consumers to live sustainably moving forward? We know already that consumers are doing a number of things. So just across Asia Pacific on a whole, you know, um, the top actions that they're saying that they're doing is uh, using reusable shopping bags, for example. Um, they're also, you know, trying to avoid waste uh, in many ways. You know, a number of markets trying to limit the amount of electricity that they're using. And recycling is also a very big one for Asia Pacific. And I think, you know, if we look across the board, that focus on pollution Solution, you know, that reducing of plastic is a very real one that people are seeing in their, their daily environments. Um, but I think one other interesting one that really stood out for me and globally it was, you know, lower sort of down the list was the amount of consumers or the percentage of consumers who are using refills or um, buying refillable containers. So globally that percentage was about 30-odd um, percent, I think, but it was particularly big, 33% it was actually. But if we had a look across our different markets, we could see in Indonesia, for example, 54% of people are saying that they're using refills. In Singapore, 41%. South Korea, 44%. So I think it, again, it becomes a real way. Maybe it's that focus on reducing plastic, you know, in the surroundings um, that consumers find themselves in. But, you know, some of these actions are going to be easier to get consumers across the line on than others. Let's zoom into the shopping specifically. What role does sustainability play in the shopping experience for CPG products? And how has this changed in the face of other factors such as convenience or affordability? 
Um, I think without a doubt, sustainability is an important consideration for some when they're choosing to buy. But I think we also need to recognise that, especially in today's environment where we're seeing huge inflationary pressures and consumers are really feeling that squeezing of their wallet, um, that consumers are going to be weighing up a variety of considerations when they're choosing what brands to buy. So when we looked at our survey and we asked example uh, our consumers exactly to do that, and we asked them to do a bit of a trade-off as we did those things. So affordability came through by far as the most important attribute to, uh, to our consumers right now. Again, not surprising if you think of that cost of living crisis that we're seeing around the world. Um, it has been less felt, I would say, you know, in our Asia-Pacific uh, Asia markets than it has been in Europe and um, the US where inflation levels have been substantially higher, but consumers are still definitely feeling it. Um, in terms of those priorities, health and hygiene still is up there as number two and three on the radar, but sustainability is coming in, you know, just underneath that. So I think, you know, it's there, it's going to become increasingly important. And I think, you know, if we look at the broader context, as government regulations start to come in, and without a doubt, Asia-Pacific governments are a little bit behind the likes of Europe that we see, for example, in terms of the regulatory changes that is happening in this space. But what we're going to start to see is that sustainability is, is going to become the new norm that's required of products. So, um, you know, we need to really start to be saying, you know, that products will, it'll almost be a, a mandate or a, a part of a product so that uh, consumers, you know, suppliers will need to make sure that that's there for consumers. So that trade-off will probably lessen as it becomes uh, a prerequisite to be on shelf moving forward. You talk about living costs just now. So what are some of the other big challenges that consumers are facing when trying to shop sustainably? Look, I think without a doubt, and again, it does differ a little bit um, for Asia Pacific compared to, to globally, but uh, cost is, or affordability, as we saw, is one of the key drivers of brand choice. And then when we ask consumers what's stopping them from living sustainably, cost as a, as a barrier is up, is up there as number two within Asia Pacific. So accessibility, however, is the biggest one in Asia Pacific across the board. So, and what that means is it could be the just not having enough choice in terms of the range of uh, sustainable options that there are for consumers to buy, or they're just not being an option at all on shelf as well. So, and I think that's a, a really big call out to brands and retailers. How do we make sure that we have enough offering, that we have enough variety? And then obviously, you know, in terms of what we're charging for those products once we're on shelf, how do we make sure that we're putting forward an, an affordable proposition to consumers to help them make a better choice? Um, because they want to, they want to live, you know, they're saying they want to live sustainably, but they just need help in, in doing so. So I just wanted to uh, deep dive into it further. So how can brands and retailer or e-commerce platform work together to address this barrier and make sustainable shopping more accessible and appealing to our consumers? So I think one of the key things we said to uh, consumers in our study as well was who do they believe is most responsible for driving sustainable progress moving forward? And it was really interesting. Their response was, you know, brands and local government were neck and neck in terms of who they believed, um, you know, is most responsible for doing that. And I think when you start to think about what can brands or what are the consumers asking brands to do for help, 
One of the biggest things is they're asking for clearer labelling and you know on their packaging in terms of understanding is this product truly sustainable? What are the sustainability standards that it's gone through? So they want help to make sure that they're making the right choice in doing that. And I think specifically from an e-commerce point of view, it's the ideal environment to be able to give consumers that information that they require. So you're not restricted as you are in store, you know, on just the amount of information you can put on label per se. So, you know, you can send them off on different paths as they're looking if they want to drill down, if they want to find, you know, the supply chain or the source of ingredients, things like that. You're able to give them that amount of information. So I think that's a real... Uh, a really great differentiator in terms of uh, the information we can help consumers with when they're shopping online. Not to say you can't do that in store, but it's going to be that extra step. You're going to have to scan that QR code, which will take them down that journey, for example. Um, so I think the other key way is starting when we spoke about how, um, you know, who consumers trust most as well. And specifically in Asia, they really trust the accreditation process. So the likes of your B Corp or Fair Trade or your Rainforest Alliance, etc. So what that does is gives consumers that degree of certainty that brands have been through a process of validation to be able to say you're not going to get that accreditation unless you can prove you're doing you know, doing the right thing. And I think with the amount of claims that are out there, some of them quite generic in nature, by having that accreditation process and that stamp, it gives consumers confidence that they're making that right choice. You know, comparability of price is obviously key. I think we've already spoken about that in quite some detail. And I think retailers similarly can play a really important role here, you know, in two ways is one, you know, be it uh, from a private label offering point of view is to make sure that there are sustainable options within private label choices. Around the world, we've seen private label growth as a result of cost of living pressures, so a really big opportunity to tap into this consumer need. Um, but also, I suppose, that opportunity that retailers can help in that ranging as well. So, um, you know, again, you know, from uh, in-store, be it having all sustainable items, you know, in a similar aisle like we see in health food aisles, et cetera, or obviously online is whether you're able to, you know, um, sort things by or, you know, search for things based on accreditation or based on sustainability. And that takes out that pain point for consumers knowing that somebody else has done the hard work for them and it gives them that confidence that, as I said, that they're making that right choice. Last but not least, as companies strive to meet evolving consumer demand for sustainability, what are some of the potential pitfalls to watch out for, such as greenwashing, how can we ensure that sustainability remains a meaningful and authentic part of the shopping experience? So I think you're right when you call out uh, greenwashing, Chen, because I think, you know, we're hearing more and more of it in the news, you know, and it's not just, you know, greenwashing on labels, it's greenwashing in banks, it's greenwashing everywhere. So I think, you know, consumers are very aware that, you know, it's happening. Um, a number of countries around the world are, you know, putting some quite strict uh, regulatory requirements around um, that space as well. But we know from, again, from our study that 83% of our Asia-Pacific consumers have said that they would stop buying from a company if they're found guilty of greenwashing. And again, that has a really big impact. So not only, you know, 
once regulations come is the financial penalties that may apply from doing that or that you get removed from shelf from a retailer, for example, if you're found guilty of greenwashing. But it's also that erosion of consumer trust as well. So, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, what it means is we are entering this new era of transparency where companies are really going to need to take a step back and recalibrate their pack and their brand communications to make sure that any claims that they've got on their pack is that they're accurate, they're transparent, and importantly, that they can be validated or else they're going to face, you know, the repercussions either financially or the consumer repercussions as well. Um, so moving forward, I think what that's going to actually mean is despite sustainability, you know, increasing in importance and more brands, you know, really um, catching in on the trend, I think we'll actually in the short to medium term, we'll see less uh, claims on pack because uh, companies will need to start removing unsubstantiated claims as they move forward. And, you know, hopefully there will be increased certification and increased transparency as a result of that in the future. And that's really going to build that, you know, consumer trust, as we said, that when you see a claim, you know, you know, hand on heart that companies can can back that up. Um, because I think, you know, that is just where, where we were going, where we are going as an industry. And if we can't do that, there won't be a future moving forward. Thanks. That brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for your insight, Nicole. No problem, Jen. Thanks very much for inviting me. This is Azana Insider. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you click follow and subscribe so you don't miss our latest insights and expert interviews. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, take care.